this is a great opportunity. We have Remy Allen back uh, for part two. We couldn't fit it all into the first one. So much to discuss, so many insights, such good access to what the real world of a professional footballer is. So thank you, Remy, for coming back and being on the ProPlayer.com podcast again. No problem. I want to kind of touch on what we left off with in terms of coaching and coaches. And, and obviously, you've had a lot of different experience in your career, a lot of different coaches you played under. We talked about that. But really want to get into this idea of as a player and a player's mindset. So you come out to training, you know, you're onto the field. You don't really know what's going to be the session. But do you, is it like when you were young, do you come out and ask the coach for a game? Like, are we going to have a game today, coach? Or, or do you stop doing that when you get to professional level? I'm sure there's people out there would love to know. Um, I think there's always an element of like, you're looking as if to say, okay, well, when are we doing sort of something that's about like small-sided? Because let's be honest, all players love small-sided. But I think obviously when you're in the professional game, you sort of get a structure every week. So we'll kind of know what we're pretty much weeks to weeks don't change as such. So for example, if we've played on a Sunday, we're off on a Monday, a match day plus one will be quite low intensity. We'll probably do, you know, a, a technical drill, uh, sort of passing drill or just a little bit of a, like a leg opener to get your body moving again. And it's really sort of, it's not intense. And then in terms of the ones who probably didn't play more than 60 minutes, they'll be doing like the finishes, will be doing a top-up session now, which is quite good often is that it's ball related and they'll get some, you know, small-sided games or there may be a little bit of running entailed, entailed into it. But um, but Tuesdays in terms of actual football, uh, football day is, is quite low. Because obviously you're 48 hours post game when you're still in a very difficult area of sort of where you can get injured, uh, so that's quite low. In the last couple of teams that I've played for, we'll come in on a Wednesday and we'll often obviously touch on the opposition that we're playing and we'll talk about them in possession. So it'll be our out of possession day. So often when we go out there, we'll sort of we'll be doing an 11 v 11 where it's like stop, stand still, working through what our press looks like. Um, we'll probably do some little pressing games and things like that. Um, and often if there is some element of small sided, which all players love, there'll be a, an out of possession focus as such. Um, and then again, whether it's your day off the next day and you come in on the Friday or the Thursday, depending on what club you're at, you then flip it. So you look at the opposition and what they're like out of possession and how we can hurt them in possession. And then we'll do all our in possession patterns or our sort of, you know, if it, we're going to hurt them on a switch, we'll do a switch of play practice. Often again, whilst I'm at Blues, we go into sort of an 11 v 11 and look at the, look at it from 11 v 11 scale. Um, and then Saturday is sort of the probably the favourite player day because Saturday is sort of like a your tactical work's done. So we'll often do something competitive where there'll be small sided games or there'll be like certain rondos where you can sort of gain points. We've got a leaderboard that you gain points on each week, so it gets ultra competitive. Um, come the Saturday, we actually went to golden goal the other day couldn't score in the golden goal went to penalties and we were just like we were relentless with it so there you sort of like old school like the games that you love and the competitiveness and sort of thing but in the week you sort of do the work there's so much in this I I, I feel like I have a responsibility to all the aspiring coaches listening to ask the right questions here because there's so <laughs> much great stuff there so I'm going to do my best uh, starting with Starting with, you know, the beginning of the week, you play on Sunday, so your recovery days are Monday. I think everybody's comfortable with the with the concept of, of recovery days and, you know, when you can work. 
you go out onto the pitch for your, let's say it's your Wednesday and you look at the opposition and there's an element of somebody's got to wear the bibs and be the opposition team. And then you're all going, well, I'm not in that team. I'm in the other team. So that means I'm starting on the weekend. All these things that like, you know, younger players, youth players, college players, maybe players in reserve teams think. Do you guys think the same thing? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's the way it's going or, or is that just like a bit of a myth? And when you get to the pro level, it's like, now nah, we're all good. It's, it's different. Oh, no. Like, you're looking at whether you're playing or not. Like, listen, listen rule, human rule. If you want to play football, you want to start. You know, I've worked in clubs where they're quite smart with that. Sometimes I'll never even show their cards with what the 11's going to look like. Um, so it'll be really mixed up. Often you can sort of have a guide of what you think it's going to look like, but they'll always rotate players in and you'll always swap over. But I think now we're in a high-performance environment. If you're not in the 11 that you get that the coach is working with, you have a responsibility to behave like the opposition. So we'll have done all the video analysis inside. And let's say, for example, I'm playing in midfield, but I'm in the opposition and they tell me that their opposition eight likes to stretch play and going beyond. I have to make sure that when I'm in that training session, I'm doing that. So we're prepping the players that may be starting in the best possible way. Um, and then you do often see, obviously, if you're, if you're not that player who's in, in the first part of it, and then you get swapped in. You're in. You're in like a in a phase where you're like, okay, I need to do something. So I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to really try and sh- showcase myself as such. But yeah, listen, it's it's competitive. Everybody wants to play. You look. You read. You look. Listening to who's he's reading out or she's reading out, and you're thinking, oh, am I in? Am I not? So it's the same no matter where you go. I can assure you with that. I'm so glad to hear that. So basically, pros. Still want to know when they're having a game, uh, and they all want to be involved, and they know when they're in, in, not in the starting eleven, and you got all that going on. But being a professional, and I've obviously seen this myself, but being a professional, having that duty of care to preparing the team to arrive on Saturday. Maybe there's players listening to this from a college environment or youth setting, um, coaches working at those levels or preparing players. Maybe younger players don't see it like that at times, and they might be missing an opportunity then because. When you go out and do that stretch run that you just mentioned from the eight, as a coach now, I'm I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing, one, you, you listen to what the work was inside. Believe me, like coaches know that. And two, I'm thinking, wow, what a mentality to go and do that when you might think that you're not in there. So you've actually turned a situation where you could just sit there and, and not do it, which was a negative. You've turned it into an actual positive because of your professional mindset. Some people don't see it that way if they're not a professional footballer. What advice would you give them to deal with their emotions and maybe step closer to where you are? I mean, to be honest with you, again, I look at it and go, it is a team game and it's football and ultimately only 11 players can play. And throughout a season, I'll be gobsmacked if there's a time where, you know, you're not upset as a player or you think you should be playing and you shouldn't. But for me, the biggest thing, and I think it's the biggest thing for my career, consistency always wins. So you might be you might be able to play and be an eight and nine out of ten, but then if the week later you're gonna be a two out of ten, then you give there's a thought process for the manager. Whereas I'm like, if I stay don't get me wrong, I want to peak and I wanna be a ten out of ten. But if I know that I'm always gonna be a seven out of ten in terms of everything that I do, whether I'm in the eleven in the in the on the training session or not, if I'm doing everything right as the opposition, I'm doing you know, I'm analysing my role if I do play. I know, my, I know my responsibilities, but I also know what the opposition are going to face. I can answer questions when asked. I give myself the best possible opportunity to be ready if and when needed versus 
if I just go, well, it's rubbish, I'm not playing, I can see I'm not playing, I'm going to sack it off a little bit. One, your manager can't rely on, rely on you. And two, they never forget. So if you go with that attitude, you might be needed three or four weeks later and they might turn around and go, do you know what? Can't trust her, can't trust him because all they did is sulk. They didn't support their teammates. So I just think the biggest message that I can ever give is just be consistent. And that doesn't mean playing well all the time. That means being consistent in everything that you do on and off the field to be the best possible teammate. And you almost make yourself that player that they can't not pick by being that person. And it's not easy. Sometimes you have to blag it. I've been When I've been dropped or not been playing well or, you know, I think I should be playing and I'm not, I'm raging inside and I want to go at my manager, but I can't do that. I have to just put on this professional mindset and go, do you know what? I'll, I'll strop when I get home. I'll rant when I get back to my partner, but at football, I'm going to be professional. And I think that always wins in the long run. So that mentality... Remy, to be a professional. Um, was that something you have always had? Did you notice when you were in your early teens that you were acting that way? Or did you learn that as you went through the system and became a, fo- a professional footballer? Was there coaches that helped you understand that? How did that all come about for you? I'll be honest, at the start of my career, I was. it was the time when probably I was one of the best players. So, especially at club level. So it was difficult to ever put myself in them situations, I feel like I learned a lot through my youth setup at England because one thing that I learned when I was there is there is eyes on you 24-7. And I mean literally to the point of this watching what dinner table you sit at every day. Are you sitting next to the same people? Are you doing X, Y and Z? Like it was it was relentless. So you was you learned quickly that they they were assessing your behaviour, they were assessing what your habits were um, so I knew, obviously, from that, you know, if I go and sulk and react to not playing really badly, it's going to really work against me. And listen, I'm no angel. Throughout my, I'm an old player now. Throughout my career, I've had my moments where I haven't... I'm quite emotional. So I've had times when the gaffers told me I'm not playing and I'm I'm in bits And I'm, when I was younger and I've cried and, you know, I've been frustrated and I've gone, yeah, but I should be playing because blah, blah. So... I've had moments, I would say it's only moments, I would like to say consistently I've been quite professional as a footballer. You do have, you know, you're human, you do have times where you don't react to a situation the best that you would like to. But I would generally say my England youth setup taught me a lot of that um, and that helped me sort of develop because, like I said, it's going to be very strange if you're the player that goes through your whole career, if you have a long career at a high-performance environment where you don't have setbacks. So, yeah, it was something that I definitely gained when I was younger. There's always room for improvement. I can see myself now sometimes if I get frustrated or if I'm not happy with something. Okay, rein yourself in. Like, it's okay. Like, just get through it. Be professional. So I think you always have to, like, realign yourself with it because it's just natural as humans. But it's something that I would like to say that I've consistently been reasonable at I think there's a maybe it's a modern thing there's a clamor to be in charge of all your emotions and that's this is not emotional intelligence we we know more now about emotional intelligence than we ever did and I I, I see the leaders in sport the whether they're leaders in, on the field or leaders in the technical area or even people running clubs I see them operating with that first but we don't want football to become this sterile environment where players don't have an opinion or can't have an opinion or operate like 
business management books. We all know that feeling when somebody's talking to you and it's like, oh, they just read page three of that book and it tells you to act this way. We don't want that from players or, or coaches, I'm sure. Te- can you tell us about a time where you felt that that rage or that frustration and literally you had to try and play your cards or you had to try and handle that situation? Maybe something you learned from that situation or maybe how a coach handled it with you rather than just shut you down. Can you tell us about one of those examples, perhaps? There's not been, like, big incidents with me. Like, I've been quite fortunate that, yeah, there hasn't there hasn't sort of been that. I feel like, you know, I had a period at a club where I was quite unhappy with a lot of things and it ended up coming out in a massive outburst one time, which I, it was just, when I reflect on it, I was like, wow, I can't believe I've just sort of <laughs> blown my lid a little bit here. Like, probably wasn't the right thing to do. Um and the manager that I had at the time actually was quite calm and was like, just go away, just take some time. Um, and I think it was the next day or the day after when I completely cooled down and realised, you know what, there was things that probably wasn't right that I said there. Or they are, I have an element of truth in them, but the way I've said it is not OK. So I went back in, sat down with my manager and just sort of said, first of all, I want to apologise. You know, that was out of character. That's not who I represent myself as. I've really let some frustrations boil up. And she, the manager at the time, was just a little bit like very, very calm again, didn't get heated with me and was like, what I feel like I need you to do is be more honest. You're a senior player. You're allowed to come to me if you're unhappy with things. I don't want you to go into a process where you wait weeks and weeks and weeks and then something happens and then you you, you boil over sort of thing. So I just think the fact that the manager had a lot of time and patience and you know probably could have come at me and have been a bit like you were bang out of order and come really aggressively at me or you know said I tell you what you're not playing at the weekend because of it or whatever they could have done anything really in reflection but actually the way they dealt with it they dealt with me like a human being and they were very much like it is fine it's okay yes it probably come out not in the way that you would like to have done it but we can address these issues now Um, and it was really calm and amicable and I just think we're humans like all of us are and we'll all have bad days we'll have good days and sometimes you don't if you football's played at such high emotion all the time and it you live in that emotion as a footballer especially when you're professional so when you behave in an emotional way if someone then comes back at you and is quite emotional with you or aggressive with you you kind of don't get anywhere so sort of the best coaches such managers that I've had have been able to take to just calm the situation and go, it's okay, it's okay to be human, it's okay to feel certain emotions, certain feelings, let's talk it through. And I walked out the door and I felt a million times lighter, we addressed some issues and I was just able, that was it, I was back in training, we cracked on and everything was great again. So I just think the ability that she had to just be very, very calm about the situation, not try and rile it and make it even worse and just be rational and go, it's okay. And it's, it's a real simple thing, but it doesn't always happen. It's a, it, to me, it's an expert thing. That's someone who's got yeah. their own ego in check. That's a, that's a professional person who, you know, maybe, maybe we know more about this as well now than we ever did before. But that's someone who has their ego in check, who doesn't need to be in a power dynamic, who understands someone needs something different. And in the moment, they meet the moment with what it requires. And that, if that's not top management, I don't know what is. Yeah, I don't okay. know that we've seen that in the last 20, 30 years in football, men's or women's side. I don't know the moment has been met 
with what was needed. And it's probably exacerbated a lot of problems. And I've certainly thought about that for a long, long time. That's a, that's a great insight. I want to turn everyone's attention as well. I don't know if this has made its way to the UK, but there's a podcast uh, that's that's been done by Jason Bateman, who the actor, the Hollywood actor, you know, from millions of A-list films, and uh, Will Arnett, who is the voice of Lego Batman, who is on in my house every single day as my son watches Lego Batman. Super famous A-listers, and it's called Smartless. And they talk to Matthew McConaughey on their podcast there about exactly what you've just said. And he's talking about how to offer people space to, to react and, and often not to overreact. It's just as much of a skill not to make someone overreact as it is for you to provide them an environment to, to move forward. And, you know, that's definitely worth a listen for people who haven't perhaps come across Smartless yet. Uh, and it's good fun as well. Moving on then, it would be remiss of me to not mention the, the Saturday sessions, <laughs> the sessions the day before a game. There's going to be a lot of people picked up their interest when you said that about, well, how does that work? And there'll be there'll be some people out there going, well, yeah, but 24 hours for a match, what if you pick up an injury? And there'll be some fear around, you know, doing stuff like that and, and maybe releasing that level of control. But even when you were talking there, you were lighting up about it. It must mean something to players and, and to the group. And how we arrive at kickoff has to have a massive part to play with that kind of stuff. Can you talk to us more about that? That's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and by the way, it's not to say that every club does it like this. There's a lot of a lot of clubs I've worked at that have done it like this. Other clubs may still use it as a day to sort of go through tactical stuff. In my opinion, your work's pretty much done. So we, you know, there was a club where I was at, we called it a legs off day. And it doesn't even actually even make sense to call it that, but it was just literally about it's not there's nothing for you to have to think tactically about and go into all that detail, which let's be honest, as footballers, sometimes we don't want to be told everything. We want to just be able to play football. So that's the day that that happens. And it's it's only a short day. We'll probably only be on pitch for about an hour and we'll work in smaller spaces so you don't get a real, real high load in terms of distance and high speed running. And they'll also really monitor. When I say you get to play small-sided games, you're probably playing for like 90 seconds a game or something. So, you know, you're not on the pitch for that long. I think it just becomes the most competitive session ever. I don't know what happens to us, but it's. I think it's because you get the freedom not to have to think tactically and you just sort of go player for player, got to score goals, got to block shots and everyone just, go, everyone just goes crazy with it. But I actually think it's, it's also really important because everything that you bring in that game is exactly the kind of competitiveness and energy that you have to bring the next day. And I think it sort of rejuvenates everyone a little bit because obviously when you're in the week, there's a lot of, you know, stop, start coaching and you have to do a lot of listening and sort of taking things in. It's the day that the Saturday is a day that you get to be free and express yourself and the forwards and that love it because you get loads of shots. You know, you get your players who are tricky taking players on and all that stuff. Your defenders are the ones going, okay, I'm going to block everything. I'm going to throw my body at stuff. So yeah, it's just, I think it almost gives you back that little bit of fun. Because I'm being brutally honest, sometimes as a footballer, it's not fun and it's a job and it's work and you have to do it and it's a, it can be a grind. So it's that day that you probably get that a little bit. Um, and yeah, and you always tend to get a winning team photo with a group of players that are buzzing and then you get the other ones that are booting bottles and stuff because they're fuming because the coaches gave a terrible decision 
And that's why they lost the game. And that pretty much happens every Saturday. Every week. Every week. It's amazing. There's a really famous, like, world-leading college coach in, in the US at North Carolina called Anson Dorrance, who a lot of people listening may have heard of. For decades, Anson's been running the program at North Carolina, won uncountable national titles and, and obviously coached the US women's national team at a point as well. He's still there today. And his work is based around what he calls the competitive cauldron. And it's exactly what you're describing. It's the same thing that he he champions. And their success at North Carolina Tar Heels has been premised on this competitive cauldron, getting 20 to 30 of the best players recruited in the country and letting them compete with each other in this fashion. And I really love the idea you've just shared with us of perhaps the work piece starting off in the week, but then a rejuvenation of the spirit at the end of the week before a game. I think there's a lot of players out there will know exactly what you're saying. A lot of coaches out there will like to explore that idea because we can make it a bit monotonous. And I've been guilty in my career earlier on of trying to over-control things. And the more detail I put in, the more meetings I have, the better. It's not necessarily the case. There must be a balance. For sure. Can we deal with match day a little bit? We haven't really talked about match day. Uh, So, again, it's just great to see you light up when we talk about match day. I mean, (laughs) to, to see that professionals still look forward to a game and, and it is the stage, it is the show. And I think in our industry, we're very lucky to have that in a lot of ways because there's high performers in business or you might say movie stars and people doing other jobs that don't get that kind of weekly gratification of the stage or the show. So when it comes to match day, what, what are your overall, apart from excitement, obviously, which will always be with you, I'm sure, what's your overall feeling? Is it more... I hope we win. I hope we don't lose. The result is everything. Does every week feel the same or do you kind of ebb and flow with the nature of the season? I'll be honest. I feel like that has changed a lot for me the more I've got older. Um, And what I mean by that is I'm competitive. I'm still very competitive now and I always want to win. But when I was younger, it was like, oh my God, we have to win today. We can't, if we lose, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. And it was sort of a a nervousness and an anxiety about not getting the result. Um, I feel like as I've got older, I've realised that winning and losing is part of sport. And, you know, I've definitely never played in a team where I've won every single game. I'm not, you know, I haven't played in a, a side that's won the league consistently like an Arsenal, a Chelsea, Man City sort of thing. Um, so for me now, it's kind of just like, I feel like I almost go into like business mode and it's just like I run like in the morning and stuff before a game. I don't even think about the game anymore because what I have learned is I know that at times I've given too much of my energy just mentally going through the game and getting drained before I've even got to the stadium. Um, So I I very much make a conscious effort of the morning of. I I still don't even start thinking about what my job's going to be or what the game's going to be like. I don't you know, in my head, visualise me scoring a winner or anything like that. Um, I feel like when I get to the ground and I sort of get the kit on and I'm ready to go as such, then I'm starting to go, okay, so what's my role? What's my responsibility? Set plays will be all over the walls. So I'll be checking my set plays. I'll be speaking as an older player now, I'll be speaking to certain players and I think I need to give them information. Um, And it's almost like that becomes autopilot to me now. And that's how I sort of, process stuff and then I used to go out in the warm-ups and I used to be really intense in a warm-up I used to be sort of driving everything and angry and sort of like looking at the opposition 
now I'm a lot more relaxed. I, I'm honestly a lot more relaxed. And I find myself, especially where the game's evolved, I find myself sort of just looking at the crowd and looking around and just thinking, wow, we've, we've come places and being a bit like, do you know what? Enjoy this. Like, it's going to be gone soon. So just, yeah, just relax. And I, I'm a lot more chilled out than I used to be. And then, yeah, be, and then I'm going into the game and just in the in the stadium, in the, sorry, in the changing rooms, just again, just giving little focuses to people, going through stuff in my head, okay, what's my player, what's my role? Um, and yeah, it just sort of becomes a natural thing that I do game in, game out now. Um, but I do think I spend a lot less needless energy before I've even kicked a ball. That's really interesting. Um, and some people would say logically makes sense with experience. I get it, but that is really interesting. There'll be young players, aspiring players listening to this call who haven't figured out what's best for them and maybe living in a space they don't feel comfortable enough or um, established enough to, to change perhaps the parameters of how they prepare for a game because they haven't got to that realisation that you've gotten to. And I'd love to get your advice for those young players. But there's also a second part to that. Elite coaches need to understand that there's 25 people in the squad or 18 in the match day squad, and they might have 18 different ways of wanting to arrive like you have at the kickoff. So what advice would you give to the players and the coaches? Yeah, so I just think for players, it's almost like for younger players, I think you've just got to find out what works for you. So, you know, if, if you have, if you are really intense and you have your headphones in, you don't talk to anyone, but you feel like that brings out the best in you, absolutely crack on. In the same breath, I feel like, you don't have to copy people. If someone does something, you think, whoa, I better copy her because she's a good player. I feel like time and experience will work out what's best for you because you're individual. So no one knows you better than yourself. So don't put pressure. As, as a younger player, I wouldn't put pressure on yourself to try and figure out how you should prepare best. I think you can try multiple things and eventually you'll figure out, because it can change, it can evolve. You may do it differently as you get older. So don't put the pressure on yourself for that. And I think for the coaches, it's yeah, you've got to you've got to understand that we're not we're all different and we're all gonna process things in different ways. And you've got to take the time to sort of work with your players to figure out what it is they need. So for example, you might know that someone needs to be ultra relaxed in a warm up. So you don't need to be pecking at their head, you know, telling them to do this, to do that, get in the zone, like they don't need that. Whereas you might have players that you know really do lose concentration and it's really important for them to give them key buzzwords or triggers in a warm-up to get them focused for the game. So I feel like for the coach slash manager, it's, it's them taking the time to understand their players' personalities and also what's best for them for performance. And that also takes time. You won't get it right straight away. You might not get it right all the time, but it's, it's almost just taking the time to appreciate that and understand it. So, Remy Allen, we've got you here. Unbelievable insight. It's been a great listen. So many real-life examples of what it's like to be in the professional game. All that experience, all that knowledge. It's fair to say you're coming to the end of your playing career. And as you do that now, you know, you've already gone and done your coaching badges. You've passed your A licence. We need... Remy Allen in football. We need Remy Allen in the next generation of head coaches and managers. And surely the game needs to needs to have people like Remy Allen in it. What what aspirations do you have going forward to you know to add add give back? What are what are your ambitions? 
I mean, yeah, I feel like you've you've kind of nailed it for me there. I think I've I've loved my playing career. You know, there's nothing that I would change about it. It's been fantastic. But you know, looking to the future now, when as my playing career starts to end, I have a huge desire, passion to coach slash manage at the highest level. Um, like I said, I've like you said, I've you know, I've done my A license. I've sort of been doing some. I'm doing some coaching work with the twenty threes. I've done some analysis work for England. Um, and I'm sort of prepping myself to be in the best possible place to hopefully step in at some point um, and coach. You know, I want to earn my trade. I think it's difficult sometimes. It, it, it's based on opportunities, but I would love to be able to go in and learn off someone unbelievable and keep developing myself as a coach and get on the grass doing the sessions. I'm fully aware that I'm going to deliver some terrible ones at times uh, and hopefully some good ones here and there as well. And just keep getting better and better and better. But yeah, I think if I'm being brutally honest, my ultimate goal is to be able to manage, you know, in the WSL at the highest level with the best players. Um, it's obviously there's a lot of work to do for that, but I'm willing to graft and willing to learn. Um, and I'm hugely excited about what the future could hold of that. The passion that I used to have as a player when I first started, I feel exactly like that towards coaching. Um, and I almost feel like I'm ready to take that next part of the journey um, and go through that whole process, which I'm sure there'll be ups and downs with it. Um, but I'm hugely excited by it, by it. And I just hope that I can get the right opportunities to showcase myself. I think everybody listening to, to this podcast will, you know, will totally be with me when I say that you'll be ready for those ups and downs and you'll meet them head on. You'll meet them with an empathy that... You know, a lot of people who haven't had such a successful playing background might 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 not have. And while you don't have to be a professional player to be a great coach, we see lots of examples of that. I think it certainly can help when you have the mindset and attitude that you have towards it. It's very difficult to, they're two different roles, aren't they? Playing and coaching, it's not the same thing. But to have, you know, the attitude that you have, I, I know you're going to be a huge success. I, I've also seen you do the media stuff. I've seen you on Sky Sports and, and you know, I, I know you're great at that as well. But I hope for football's sake, we keep you and you get those opportunities going forward. It's been a phenomenal two-parter. It's, it's a, <laughs> the best way to kick this podcast off. You were the only person that we could start with, Remy. You, you know, your, your experience and your, and your insight have been, I'm sure, a help to everybody listening. Just your just your vulnerability and your honesty, and and I think at times in the social media world we can only ever see the the good stuff and when everybody's doing great. But the reality is, in a career, you're going to have those ups and downs, as you mentioned, and it's about how you you deal with them. So thank you so much for just being you, and and we here at the ProPlayer.com podcast, everybody is wishing you the absolute best, and can't wait to see what the next uh, eighteen months, two years, five years of your career brings forward. Thank you so much for having me. And it is a huge honour to be the first guest. I'm actually really excited to see who's on next and what that looks like, because I'll definitely be listening to them. But no, it's been it's been amazing. And it's, it's actually really nice to reflect and take the time to look back on your career. So that's been amazing. And to yeah, to, to get across some honesty, which I think you spot on, it's absolutely needed in the game, because like you said, social media can give you a false sense of what reality is so it's really nice to be so open and honest with you and obviously to the viewers and hopefully even if one person listens to this and you know can take something from it then yeah that's amazing 
They will, and that's why we're here. He said we're going to do this, and we're going to ask the questions that people want to hear, and we're going to shine a real light on what it's like to be a professional player, a professional coach, and for all those people who are aspiring to get there for one way or another, he said we'd open up the uh, the door to what it looks like and provide a window on that. So that's exactly why we're here. Thank you so much, Remy. Thank you.